Hello there, and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent, and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Solomon Ashams in Johannesburg, South Africa, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And a big thank you to Adrian Barnard taking care of the show while I was away for the past two weeks. Well, on this week's show, we talk to Nigeria and Arsenal forward Alex Iwobi on the problems at the club. The Gunners have only three wins in nine league games and the chances of a top four finish look slim. So has Iwobi heard anything about the future of manager Arsene Wenger? Um, there's nothing, nothing has been said. We're, we're, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes really. But um, we just have to wait and see, that's what I can say. And surprises in the CAF Confederation Cup as teams from Swaziland, Uganda and Gabon all reach the expanded group stage. Is this a sign that the new format will be a success? And as Ivory Coast and Chelsea legend Didier Drogba becomes the first player-owner in football history, moving to US second-tier club Phoenix Rising, we get Stuart's thoughts on the surprise move. Of course, at 39, he's not as fast as he used to be. He's had injury problems. But, you know, he's got the guile. He's got that ability to be in the right place. I think he'll score a few goals. Well, that's coming later, but we start with an exclusive with Nigeria and Arsenal forward Alex Iwobi on the problems at the club. The Gunners managed a 2-1 win away to Middlesbrough on Monday night, only their third win in nine league games, moving them up from seventh place to sixth, but having been as high as second back in December. Well, the chances of a top four finish and a place in the UEFA Champions League next season look slim right now. They are seven points behind fourth place Manchester City, although with a game in hand. Well, Planet Sport Football Africa's Oloashina Okaleji spoke to Iwobi after the game against Manchester City at the start of this month, where the Gunners drew 2-2, that following a 3-1 defeat to West Brom. The run of poor results saw the pressure mount on manager Arsene Wenger, who is still to announce whether he will stay on or step down at the end of the season. Oloashina asked Iwobi if he's asked Wenger about his future. Um, well, I'm not on that level to go to the uh, to his office and say, "Are uh, you staying or not?" So I wouldn't know. But um, there's nothing. Nothing has been said. We're, we're we don't know what's going on behind the scenes, really. But um, we just have to wait and see. That's what I can say. So, um, how does the uncertainty over um, the manager's future um, affect the players? You know, like has he had a negative effect or on on pitch results? Um, no, I wouldn't say that is. At the end of the day, we need to focus on the match and not not, not what's going on in the media. We're given a hundred percent. It's just unfortunate the results haven't been going our way. But we need to move on, try and put down the past and put things right. You couldn't talk to the manager about his future, but have you ever had any chat with um, Alexis or Oxile about their future if they're staying and how important is that for the morale and the team? It's you know it's not really my business, so. If they want to come and talk to me about it, then yeah, they can come and discuss. But no, nothing has we said. I haven't spoke to any of them about it. And the morale in the team, knowing that um, your two key players are just having this uncertainty surrounding their future? Um, no, everyone knows at the end of the day, contract or no contract, we know what we need to do. The focus is what we do on the pitch. So, yeah, everyone has, we all have our goals and we're trying to stick to that. What some of the critics in England have actually said is that do Arsenal players even do 
training about set pieces. Like, you know, sometimes when you, when you see all of these people ask questions like, if you do, so why are they always struggling when it comes to set pieces? I'm not sure where it is. I've, I'm, I mean, we do work on set pieces like a day before a game and we work really hard on them. It's something we're still working on. I mean, we're not really known for winning a lot of headers and and that. Well, it's something that we need to add to our game to to grab us points to win games like against West Brom. The pundits do their talking with their mouth. You guys do your talking absolutely on the pitch. So when people say, oh, Arsenal, why do they keep persisting with zona marking even though it's not working for them? Because um, it's something, I guess... We we haven't really conceded too many too many from corners. It was just against West Brom, I would think so. So it's something that it's a feel, I don't know. It's something that we just do all the time. It's something we feel comfortable with. Everyone knows their role. Everyone knows their jobs. It was just the case that we didn't do well against West Brom. And what do you say to people who say probably there are no leaders on the pitch? Is that players don't talk to themselves? Arsenal players don't talk to themselves. Is it like there are no leaders on the pitch or something? No, I can assure you that everyone's a leader. Everyone has something to say. Everyone puts an input into what we need to do. Everyone communicates well. Whether we talk, we also need to lead by example what we do on the pitch, whether it's pushing up as a, t- uh, as a team or, or pressing and showing that we can work as well as a team. So I wouldn't say there's just one leader. There's a lot of leaders in the team. Whether people don't see or not, but I'm just not sure I needed a lot of leaders. How old were the players um, after the ad eating stick from Shira, Henri Redknapp accusing players of not being fit to wear the shirt and branding them as pathetic and a disgrace? Um, at the end of the day, fans, pundits, whoever, they're allowed to voice an opinion. Whether we allow it to affect our performances in the future, that's up to us. We just need to block out what they say. We know how. I believe the ability in the squad's crazy, is amazing. We just have to prove it to them that we're not that we are fit to wear the shirt, and we we should be achieving more than what we what we're doing right now. In your opinion, what's being done in the dressing room to turn this season around? Do you think you can turn this season around? Um, I'm sure that's the belief in the camp. <laughs> we always believe that we can win every game, but um, yeah, I'm sure when I, everyone will be working hard and yeah, we'll be able to turn things around. Do you guys talk amongst yourself when you hear people giving you these sticks? Um, not necessarily. We we normally analyze our games individually, and then sometimes collectively with the, with, the, with the manager and the coach. The coach is there, so we do discuss it, but not really. Everyone knows what they need to work on. Everyone knows what they need to improve on. So it's more of an individual thing, if you ask me. So are you guys affected by the fans' uh, Wenger out banners chance? Um, and do you think the fan fury has added? Destabilizing effect on the team. Like I said, fans are allowed to have an opinion, they're allowed to do whatever they want at the end of the day, but it shouldn't affect us really. We should block out all the negativity and think positive and try to do our best and try to win win their hearts back uh, so they don't they don't they don't be putting up banners and saying Venga and things like that. We need to fix up and move forward. What would your message be to the fans? Uh, my message to the fans is that we are trying. We are putting in 100% every day in training, on the pitch. We're fighting for the manager as much as we can. And I know I can't say be patient, but we are trying. That's all I can say. Nigeria and Arsenal forward Alex Iwobi speaking to Planet Sport Football Africa's Oluwashina Okaleji. Again, that was recorded at the start of this month. The situation is still pretty much the same right now. Clearly a lot of uncertainty among the players. And we don't know if the likes of Alexis Sanchez will stay on. But Iwobi clearly still has a lot of respect for Wenger. Uh, So Stuart, how do you see the current situation at the Gunners? 
Well, Arsenal slightly got out of jail with a laboured win over relegation favourite Middlesbrough. And I think a lot will depend on the outcome of the FA Cup semi-final this weekend. But the uncertainty over Wenger's position does cast a massive shadow over Arsenal's future because Wenger has said that he will not decide until later. The club seem to be still sticking with him. There are rumours that he will stay and he'll be given big money to spend. But the whole thing is casting a real shadow over Arsenal's season. And there are so many protests from supporters at the moment. And, of course, um, Iwobi has had a difficult season because he's not played as much this year as, as, as last year. Right, so lots of issues at Arsenal. As Stuart says, they play in the FA Cup this weekend, taking on Manchester City on Sunday. The other semi-final is on Saturday with Chelsea playing Tottenham. Now, Stuart, what are your thoughts on the race in the English Premier League? Uh, Are the leaders Chelsea under pressure now after Man United beat them? Because that left Chelsea four points clear of Tottenham with six games to go. As well as the battle to take top spot, there's the race for a place in the top four as well. Well, I think that was a very significant result, Manchester United beating Chelsea. You know, we've said in the past that any team can beat any other team in the Premier League. But it was the way that Manchester United beat Chelsea with Mourinho just getting the tactics right by putting Rashford against David Luiz. And just the pace was completely unsettling him and the Chelsea defence. Again, by crowding the midfield with strong players like Herrera and Fellaini, you know, Aidan Hazard might as well not have been playing. And, you know, I think that other teams will see this and think, well, perhaps Chelsea are not as invincible Um, as they seem. And, of course, Tottenham have not only been winning, but looking really impressive. They're putting teams away. You know, if you compare Tottenham and Manchester United, Manchester United have probably played as well in a lot of games as Tottenham, but Tottenham are winning all their home games and Manchester United are drawing them. So it's very difficult to see Arsenal making it into the top four at the moment, I'm afraid, Although the fact that Manchester United still have to play Tottenham and Manchester City and Arsenal means that three wins for Manchester United in those four games could be very significant and three defeats would dent them. But of course, there's still the uncertainty as to whether Manchester United might win the Europa League and of course take the fourth spot in the Champions League, meaning that only three would qualify from the league. Yes, really is a thrilling race in the English Premier League at the top. Uh, How about the relegation battle, Stuart? Sunderland on 21 points really do look to be doomed. Middlesbrough, well, I think it'll be hard for them to escape. Swansea and Hull seem the most likely to be fighting for that third place, one of them to escape and the other one to go down. And Swansea, you know, started well when... Uh, the new manager, Clement, was appointed, but they haven't uh, had many good results recently. Hull seem to win at home, but struggle away. Above them, I think that Bournemouth, Crystal Palace and Burnley are probably safe. They've got a five-point gap at the moment, but, you know, if they were to lose their next three or four games, uh, they could be in trouble too. So a really intriguing situation uh, at the bottom of the table as well. 
Just six games to go in the English Premier League. Thanks, Stuart. Uh, do stay with us. Uh, coming up, Stuart's thoughts on the announcement by Ivory Coast and Chelsea legend Didier Drogba, who says that he will both own and play for Phoenix Rising, a Division Two team in the United Soccer League in the USA. Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. You can download our app and listen to the show anytime. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Then you can listen to the show anytime on the app and access past programs too in our archive. Also, you can listen to the show on our website. That's planetsportfootballafrica.com. Also there, there are pictures of all of us there in the team, if you're wondering what we all look like. And our Twitter handle is at planetsportfa. Well, next to the CAF Confederation Cup, that's Africa's second-tier club competition, and there were some huge shocks in the final qualifying round last weekend. Mbabane Swallows became the first club ever from Swaziland to reach the group stage as they came from behind to beat Congolese side AC Leopards 4-2 for a 4-3 aggregate win. Uganda's KCCA beat Al Masri of Egypt on penalties, as they became the first Ugandan club to reach the group stage of an African continental competition. And a big surprise in Abidjan, as former African champions Asik Mimosas of Ivory Coast were knocked out by CF Munana of Gabon. So, Solomon, this decision to expand the group stage of the Confederation Cup and the Champions League from eight teams to 16 teams already looks to be a big success as it's giving smaller teams a chance to feature in the group stage. Steve, it's definitely a great idea that is long overdue, expanding the Confed Cup and the Champions League from eight teams to 16 teams. I don't see how in, an, in, a, in a continent, the African continent with 54 nations, we only have eight teams for a very long time competing for uh, both the Confed Cup and also the Champions League uh, trophy. But what this would do is, uh, you know, give the Minas the opportunity, like we saw Swaziland, Uganda, Gabon, uh, to compete very well. Some of these nations, uh, their, their club size are not really professionally run. They are semi-professional. They have a, their day job and, and the football is just, you know, another option for them. Uh, so what this would do is to be able to create awareness where you would begin to see the government and also corporate beginning to sink in money in there. And also we would see more competition because now teams are going to be able to travel to certain places where they, they have not traveled before. And uh, so this would help the players. It would help to develop the players. And the result of that is at the end of the day, we're going to have a stronger uh, national football teams for, for a lot of these nations. Because I feel the, both the Confed Cup and the Africa Champions League, there's a lot of glamour, there's a lot of uh, you know charisma to it that we can really embrace and, and celebrate this. And instead of watching the Barcelonas and the Manchester United and the Man City and PSG in every season in and out, you know, this is an opportunity for us to be able to look down home and say, look, we also have something right here that we're building and, and the football fans will not begin to really pay interest in it. Yes, absolutely. And some amazing results there from the teams from Swaziland, Uganda and Gabon. 
Yes, uh, Steve, amazing results uh, from Swaziland, Uganda and Gabon. Mbabani swallows for the first time in their history, uh, you know, getting into the group stage of the Confed Cup. And AC Leopards is not a, a pushover, you know. Uh, and for Mbabane Swallows, coming from a very small country, uh, you know, of just under 2 million people, uh, where the clubs are run semi-professionally, uh, you don't see a lot of fans in the stadium. Football is, is huge, but there is no sponsorship that would go a long way in attracting the right coaches, uh, also in attracting, uh, you know, the right uh, players. But we've seen players from South Africa and coaches from South Africa crossing the border uh, to coach and also to play uh, in Swaziland. Uh, so it's a good thing that, uh, you know, they're able to go into this uh, group phase. And also Uganda, you know, the clubs in Uganda, I think they've been doing so well and we We've seen the evidence, and the evidence is that is the Ugandan national team qualifying for uh, the Afcon uh, that just uh, you know finished this year. Uh, that is, that's the indication, you know. So it's an indicator that the club sides are really doing so well. They are producing uh, players for the future. They are pr- producing players now, uh, and what this would do uh, for these club sides is to give them a wider platform where they could showcase their players, uh, you know, to the rest of the world, and and hopefully attract you know scouts from from Europe. Europe and also from Asia to, to come and have a look at them and, and create awareness also, you know, uh, football fans that have been staffed, the opportunity to watch, uh, at, you know, right in their home uh, to watch some of these uh, Africa Champions League and Confed Cup games, uh, you know, would, would be able to enjoy this uh, now. And, and Gabon has been, you know, out there, you know, uh, hosting the Africa Cup of Nations not long ago. And I, I would love to see a situation where every club side in Africa would want to look for how they could compete in the Confed Cup and the Champions League every season. That way, definitely, the standard of football in Africa is going to rise up. And now Solomon, the Confederation Cup holders, TP Mezembe of DR Congo, got through to the group stage with a 2-0 aggregate win over JS Kabili of Algeria. Member Mazembe were knocked out by Caps United of Zimbabwe in the Champions League and dropped down to this tournament. And they look to have a great chance of retaining their title. Uh, Steve, Tipi Mazembe is definitely the team to beat this season, just like last season. Whenever Tipi Mazembe goes into the Confed Cup or uh, the Africa Champions League, uh, it is always to win. There's no any other uh, target. They will be very disappointed them themselves for uh, getting knocked out of the Africa Champions League this season, just like last season. Every football fan in Africa uh, should know and and must know TP Mazembe. So they're, they're not a pushover. They they are the team to beat. And it's good to have them in the Confed Cup in a way because that would actually attract football fans and, and bring glamour to it because of their pedigree, because of the rich history they've had uh, in the last 10 years. Thanks, Solomon. Certainly going to be an interesting edition of the CAF Confederation Cup. We're next on Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. We turn to social media. And in last week's show, we looked at flair in football and asked, can African football develop on raw talent and flair alone? Or should African teams follow more of the European approach and play a more tactical game? We heard from Ghana's 1978 African Footballer of the Year, Abdul Razak, former Super Eagles striker JJ Okocha, and the 2007 FIFA World Player of the Year, Kaká of Brazil. And we asked if you just want your team to show off their exciting skills, or would you mind if they put on a dull or uninteresting show as long as they win the game? 
Well, on WhatsApp, Mohamed in the Gambia says, "I would love my team to play a more tactical game to see how well they would cope." Amadou Tamba, also in the Gambia, agrees, saying, "I prefer a team that wins, even if they perform poorly, because in football, what matters most is the results, and that's why I love Chelsea." Says Amadou, "Playing good football and not winning to me has no use." To Nigeria, and Obina says there should always be a balance of both flair and tactics in every good team. Flair makes the beautiful game more beautiful and exciting, while it's tactics that grinds out the result. Aliou Bikonte and the Gambia isn't interested in flair unless it produces results. For me, says Aliou, the most important thing is to win the game. Either playing a skillful or a dull game doesn't matter. What matters is getting the three points. Fabrice is in Cameroon. I'd like to see my team play tactics and also with flair, says Fabrice. Look at the show that Man United put up against Chelsea last weekend. It was pure tactics working to its fullness. I love tactics in football because teams with tactics win games and trophies, says Fabrice. I know that Jose Mourinho is good at that, and my country Cameroon went to the Cup of Nations with tactics and brought back the trophy. Thanks for those thoughts there. Now here's Abiyeku Andafol in Ghana, who sent us a WhatsApp voice note. As far as I'm concerned, so far as my team wins and then gets the maximum three points, it's either you win or you lose. So as far as they keep on winning without playing any tactical games, I'm okay with it. Thanks, Abiyeku. So it's results that count for you.、Uh, Lamine Drame in the Gambia says we Africans should follow the European approach of playing a more tactical game. I don't know about other African countries, but for my country, the Gambia, we lack experienced players compared to other African nations. Mwinga Mimbolwa is in Zambia. African footballers thrive on flair, says Mwinga, and without flair, African football would be boring. But what must be encouraged is flair with purpose and not just showboating. Players need to take a leaf out of the book of guys like JJ Okocha and others who play to the gallery, but with purpose in their play that led to something positive. Yeah, I do agree with you there, Mwinga. And Sumana Sonko in the Gambia takes a slightly different view. I think modern football is now all about tactics and not natural talent, says Ansumana. Look at Chelsea now and Leicester City recently, and how they won the Premier League. Although there are some naturally talented players within the team, the coach uses the tactical approach to make the best use of the team and to get the best out of their performance. I think African football lacks some tactical qualities and approaches, although there are some great coaches amongst them too. As for JJ Okocha, he's one of the most naturally talented and skillful players of all time. Now here's another WhatsApp voice note. This from Sambu One in the Gambia. I would prefer my team, the Gambia, to play more tactical football. Because nowadays, teams that we are seeing doing well in competitions, winning games and trophies, are all playing tactical games. So, if Africa wants to win or achieve something remarkable in football, we have to change our nature of play. Let's be more tactical than how we used to play before. Well, thanks, Sambu, and finally to Balong Baji in the Gambia, who has this interesting perspective, saying in football, winning is the number one priority, but raw flair alone can't make Africa develop. 
Bolong says playing with flair invites more contact, causing players to sustain more injuries and to tire more quickly. To be on the safe side, playing tactically is better, as it contributes a lot to injuries dropping to lower levels and allowing players to reserve their energy. Well, thanks, Bolong. Something to think about there. Well, thanks so much for all of those comments. Always great to hear from you. This week's talking point is about Didier Drogba, one of Africa's all-time greats. So the question coming up shortly after we talk about the Ivory Coast and Chelsea legends' decision that he will both own and play for Phoenix Rising. This a Division Two team in the United Soccer League in the USA. After leaving Chelsea in 2015, Drogba joined Canadian club Montreal Impact, who play in the U.S. Major League Soccer. Last year ended with some injury problems, and Drogba, who's now 39, last week joined Phoenix Rising, announcing that he has also become an owner of the club, making him the first player owner in the history of football. Interesting and maybe unexpected, this Stuart. Well, Steve, isn't that an interesting development? But you know. Didier Drogba is much more than just a football player. You know, the the man who brokered peace in Cote d'Ivoire and so on. So in a way, nothing surprises me about him.、Um, let's just recall his career. You know, he played two hundred and fifty four league games for Chelsea,、uh, and then spent a few months in China playing eleven games. He played two seasons in Turkey for Galatasaray before going to North America. Where he's played two seasons with Montreal Impact, playing thirty-three games and scoring twenty-one goals. Now the Phoenix Rising team has played three games this season and lost two of them. Last season they finished twelfth out of fourteen. So I think he's got his work cut out to、uh, see them instantly move into the、uh, MLS Premier Division. But you know, with Drogba, anything is possible. Um, just to mention a couple of Africans who he has in the team with him. There's Usena Uzo from Nigeria,、uh, who played a season for Arizona United before moving to Phoenix, and a South African, Miguel Raul Tim, who played for Bidvest Wits in South Africa, also for the Black Aces. Uh, before spending a season again at Arizona United, so interesting that there are two other Africans with him. You know, Drogba is thirty-nine. He'd had the most amazing career,、uh, playing in France, England, China, Turkey, Canada, and now the U.S. Of course, at thirty-nine, he's not as fast as he used to be. He's had injury problems. But you know he's got the guile. He's got that ability to be in the right place. I think he'll score a few goals. How he copes with being a player owner? Now that is an interesting one. It just depends what he actually means to do as owner. Whether he wants to be hands on, or whether he will simply delegate that、uh, to staff and concentrate more on the playing side、uh, in the short term. Really interesting move, and I certainly will be very interested to see how it all develops. And as Stuart, surely Drogba doesn't have too much time left as a player. You know, Drogba is thirty-nine, but it depends really on the standard. You know, he's playing in a Division Two in the American Soccer League, and let's face it, that's not exactly the same as playing in the English Premier League. I think his experience will carry him through. 
whether he can make the runs that he used to, whether he can just be available to hold the ball up, whether he can develop other players playing alongside them. You know, Glenn Hoddle did that really well at Chelsea as a player manager. And, you know, he told me once that he was trying to teach players things by coaching them almost during the game. And, you know, perhaps Drogba can do that. I wouldn't be surprised to see Drogba play another couple of years. The trouble, of course, is when you get to that age, any kind of injury does tend to take longer to recover. But fascinating story. Look forward to see how it all pans out. Yes, absolutely. So Drogba could play for a few more seasons, thinks Stuart. Well, on Facebook and WhatsApp this week, we're asking, what do you think of Drogba's move to the USA, having joined Phoenix Rising in the US second tier and becoming an owner of the club, the first player owner in football history? Can he keep playing for long at the age of 39? What do you think of his move? Is it a good business idea, maybe? Go on to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, or you can send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Well, Didier Drogba, a UEFA Champions League winner with Chelsea, will there be an African winner this time around? Well, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's Borussia Dortmund were knocked out by Monaco midweek, who had Malian defender Almami Toure and Moroccan winger Nabil Dira featuring in that tie. Ghana's Quajo Asamoah came on at the end for Juventus as they drew 0-0 with Real Madrid to win their tie. And another Ghanaian, Thomas Partey, was an unused substitute as Atletico Madrid knocked out Leicester. Real Madrid in the semi-finals with no Africans in their squad. Otherwise, chances are there that an African player could be winning the Champions League this season. Well, that's it for the show for this week. From me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from Solomon Ashams in South Africa and Stuart Weir in the UK. Thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.